Hello, and welcome to the Church on the Hill podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, we invite you to join us live this Sunday at 500 Sands Drive in San Jose, California. Visit churchonthehill.com for service times and directions, and also to learn more about connecting, growing, and serving at Church on the Hill. Now let's join lead pastor Scott Simarok as he teaches at Church on the Hill. All right, good morning. Hey, Easter is like 40 days away or so, so we're going to do a brand new series today. Uh, it's going to prepare us for Easter and get us going, but let me launch it with this. These two pictures right here, what are they and how are they related? So the picture on the left is a picture of Mardi Gras. The picture on the right is, I'm really glad that you got the Ash Wednesday as much as you got the Mardi Gras. Because if you're like, Mardi Gras, I have no idea what's on the right. Like, I'm concerned about y'all. Mardi Gras, you probably got that. Um, interesting, in New Orleans and other places around the world, it is a really significant day of indulgence and sensuality. How do you like that to start with a message? But if you might not know this, Mardi Gras is French for Fat Tuesday. And Fat Tuesday is directly related to the next picture because the picture on the right is about Ash Wednesday. Now, Ash Wednesday began as a Catholic service and it kicked off the season of Lent. And at the Catholic service, the, the priest or the pastor, some of them would, could take ashes and they would smudge it on your forehead in the shape of a cross, right? Um, the ashes supposedly came from the burning of the palm branches from last year's Palm Sunday service. And as the ashes would be spread on your forehead, the pastor or priest would declare this uh, from Genesis 3.19. He would quote, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. That, I mean, you came from dust, and your body is going back to dust. It's this statement in Genesis that reminds us, it's written right after Adam and Eve's sin, and so it's the reminder of the penalty for sin is death, and your body is going back to dust. Now, wow, that's a, that's a lot in the first five minutes of like, how am I introducing this? Mardi Gras, Fat Tuesday, Ash Wednesday. So here's what we're going to do. I, I'm curious if you have an answer to this question. Like, do all Christians practice Lent? Uh, and you might say no. You might say yes. This is my question for today. To Lent or not to Lent? That's our question today. So I'm just curious. You got to help me out. I need some feedback from you. Here's my first question. Raise your hand if you grew up doing Lent or experiencing Lent. Go ahead. Raise, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Awesome. Okay. Maybe a third or a quarter of our people. Uh, raise your hand if Lent, whether you practiced it or not, was strictly a Catholic thing. Okay, a lot, lot more hands, got you. Uh, raise your hand if Lent was that thing that you cleaned out of your dryer. Okay, bunch of Baptists in the room, okay. Um, raise your hand if you still practice Lent today. And by the way, this is not a wrong thing. You'd be like, yeah, yeah, I still do that, good, okay. Uh, you're gonna get some encouragement today. So to Lent or not to, to Lent, um, here's what I wanna do. I wanna try and put all of this together. Let's kind of go to this graphic. Um, the word Lent, what does it mean? It means, well, it means springtime. That's it. It's, it doesn't sound like a very spiritual term. It just means springtime. It's when the celebration happens. And what it is, it's the 40 days 
before Easter. And Lent, that 40 days, it commemorates Jesus' time in the desert, in the wilderness, where he is fasting and praying and preparing for his ministry. So it's a way of showing devotion to God. So for us, it can be 40 days of preparing our hearts to celebrate Easter. And the 40 days begins on Ash Wednesday. But some of y'all, have you ever like opened your computer, your calendar, and you actually count from Ash Wednesday to Easter? And you're like, there are more than 40 days there. Well, it's 40 days minus the Sundays of which they would not fast or pray or do their spiritual, their practices. They would take those days off. So there's actually 40 days if you would separate that. Let me take you through this journey. Lent was originally created by the Roman Catholic Church. But it's so interesting that in recent years, that a lot of Protestant Christians, those that came out of the Reformation, this, the 15th, 16th century, uh, are starting to practice Lent. Um, this last Wednesday, did you see people in your workplace, your school around town, that they would have just a little gray thing? You probably didn't see it as much this year because Wednesday was, yeah, Valentine's Day. And it could be awkward. Babe, you look so good tonight, all dressed up, particularly with that little gray smudge on your forehead, like... Did you know this though? That there's no like requirement that says you have to leave that on your forehead. Literally, if you're in a Catholic service, you go through there, you get a little smudge on your face, dust you were, dust you are, like boom, you can wipe it off the minute you walk out. Like there's nothing bad about that, but people do it as like a, hey, 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 practice in Lent. Um, And I'm not saying it's bad or wrong, but let, let me stick with this for just a moment. So Ash Wednesday, if that's the... The, the service, if that's the day that kicks off Lent, and Lent is primarily a season to do three things. Fasting, praying more, and showing generosity by giving to those in need. If that's what it is, Fat Tuesday, if you know you're fasting from all these foods, and often it'd be like meat and alcohol and sweets and sugars and dairy and stuff like that. Well, if that's Ash Wednesday... Fat Tuesday becomes the day that everybody starts eating all of those things to clean out their house so those items are not in there. So they just call it Fat Tuesday. Now, Fat Tuesday in the French is pronounced Mardi Gras. So the French took it to a whole new level of indulgence, right? But are we surprised by the French at all? Sorry, (laughs) that was not in the script. Um, Do you know, though, that um, you can also get ashes to go? Did you know this? This isn't quite like the DoorDash version of Ash Wednesday, but it is the concept that if you go to a service, oftentimes the pastor, the priest will have a little envelope and they will give you ashes so that you can go do this for your friends who can't make it to the service or didn't go. And for a lot of people, when they get that little thing on their forehead, they'll just leave it there all day. Now, we're going to start a series called Secret Devotion. Because in Matthew chapter 6, and if you have a Bible, open to Matthew 6, I will eventually get there, but I'm going to use today as more as an introduction to the series on to Lent or not to Lent. But our series is called Secret Devotion because in the Sermon on the Mount, in chapter 6 of Matthew, Jesus addresses all three of the spiritual practices that people practice at Lent. He talks about almsgiving or showing generosity to those that are in need. 
He also talks about fasting and praying and he gives the same message and the same warning in all of these. And you know what the warning was? He's like, listen, when you do these three things, just here's the one thing you gotta be careful of. Shh, don't tell anybody. It needs to be a secret. So we're gonna do this series called Secret Devotion. But all I wanna do today is this. I wanna cover to Lent or not to Lent. So I, I, you saw Maundy Thursday on that journey. So it'd be Fat Tuesday, Ash Wednesday, and you get to Maundy Thursday. Now I can guarantee you this, Maundy Thursday is not the time of Holy Week between Monday and Thursday. This is not what that is. Maundy simply means this, it means mandate. It's about the Thursday night that Jesus had dinner with his disciples and he gave a mandate. He washed everybody's feet and then he looked at them and he gave this mandate. Um, I want you just as I've done for you, I want you to wash one another's feet. Whether that was literally or that was a, I want you to care for each other and take care of each other the same way I have taken care of you. So that's Maundy Thursday. Why is that in there? Well, for some Christians, their fast, their prayer time, that 40-day season would end on Maundy Thursday. Some people take it all the way up to Easter, but that's what Maundy Thursday is. So, The purpose of Lent, what is it? Here it is. It's to prepare your heart. That's it. It's to prepare your heart for Easter by showing devotion to God through fasting, praying, and generosity to the needy. It's flexing our spiritual muscles of repentance and self-control and generosity. So, to Lent or not to Lent, should all Christians participate in Lent? That's the question. Let, let me cover this. Why do some, and this is in your notes, you can take a look at it. Why do some Christians oppose Lent or choose not to practice it? Here's number one. I'm just going to give you three quick reasons. Number one, it's because the church made it mandatory. This, uh, way back in the day, 325 AD, they had this council of Nicaea. Now, if you've never heard about these councils, here's what happened. They would gather all of the the priests and the heads of the church, and they would gather together and they would write down, these are the official beliefs of the church taken from the Bible, but then these are the, 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 the practices and the traditions. And whatever they wrote down became kind of God's word. But they would also write down, and these are the heresies, these are the things that are not true that some people had believed. Well, in 325 at the Council of Nicaea, they used the word Lent. And so we know way back then, there was already this practice, this declared tradition called Lent. And when it was a declared tradition, it became mandatory for people to follow. St. Augustine, he wrote this. Our fast at any other time is voluntary, but during Lent, we sin if we do not fast. This is the Roman Catholic Church saying this, okay? Um, now, by the way, that's changed. As recently as 1966, uh, Pope Paul VI, he reduced the obligatory fasting days from 40 days just to uh, on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. Those are the only two fasting days. And he said this, instead of fasting, you can replace it with, with uh, prayer or with good deeds. So here, here's the quote. Fasting all 40 days of Lent is still strongly recommended though, but not under the pain of mortal sin. I think this was actually a a move by the Catholic Church to take care of those who were um, living in poverty 
or struggling, they'd be working all day physically and to not require a food fast from them daily. And so it it was a, a move towards generosity, but it still is this. Some people don't practice it because of this. It was a Catholic thing. And for Protestants, just so we understand this, there's traditions of the church, and then there's, this is what the Bible says. Particularly for Baptist churches, like if you grew up Baptist, you're like, no, 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 listen, you only ever do what's in the Bible. But for Roman Catholic, you're like, whatever the church teaches is a tradition and the Bible, they hold on equal planes, like you have to do it. So the first reason some people don't do it, they made it mandatory, which led to the belief number two. The belief is that Christians should only practice what's in the Bible and not make, man, make traditions mandatory. Um, now, I'm, I'm going to say this. Okay, look at me real quick. Um, I'm going to pick on everybody today. All right? So how's that feel? I'm going to pick on the Roman Catholic Church for a little bit because there's some things that I, I, I see wrong with, with Lent according to the scriptures, which is what we stand on. And at the very end, then I'm going to pick on all of us too, with Protestants, okay? I'm going to pick on you Baptists and whatever else y'all grew up in. Like, I'm going to pick on everybody. So if you feel picked on today, welcome. I'm super glad you're here. I just didn't want one group. I just didn't want, man, if you grew up Catholic I, and, and you love the traditions, like, God bless you, like, hang with me. I, I want us to really take a look at God's word and ask this question. Should we practice Lent or not? And I think at this moment, you probably don't know where I, I stand based off of what the scriptures say. And so I, I realize there's, there's other groups. Like, I mean, there's Lutherans, Methodists, Eastern Orthodox, Anglicans. If none of those words mean anything to you, ignore that. Don't worry about it. But they also practice Lent too. So it's not just a Catholic thing. Now, Jesus clearly gave us two things to remember him by. Number one was baptism. Every believer should be baptized. He also gave us these symbols of bread and juice or wine and said, I want you to eat this and drink this until I come back and do it in remembrance of me. But those come directly from the Bible, not a pastor with a good idea about how to remember him. Now, let me point to this. Colossians chapter 2, verse 16, it'll show up on the screen. Christians will often cite this passage. Here's how it reads. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Okay, let me explain what this means, because some people read that, and they're like, I have no idea what that means, and they just ignore it and move on. This is actually, I think, very applicable to us today. Do not judge people. And don't judge other people. Don't let people judge you based off of diet and days. What does that mean? This was written to a church in the city of Coloss that was, there were people coming in that were tempting them to take all of the Old Testament dietary laws and all of the Old Testament celebrations and say, we are now placing that on all Christians that at your church, you have to keep all the Old Testament days and diets. When Jesus came, he made it really, really clear. Those Old Testament, that was a shadow of something to come. The brand new reality is found in Christ. And Jesus Christ declared that all foods are clean and able to be eaten. That doesn't mean you should indulge on ding-dongs and Twinkies, right? So here's what I find that's interesting. The scriptures, they don't forbid you from fasting. 
They, they don't forbid you from fasting from food or certain luxuries. And they don't forbid you from having a special day that we're going to hold as a religious celebration. It's just this. You can't make it mandatory so that you can judge somebody else. Uh, Lent, everybody has to do it. And if you don't do it, you're sinning. Like you, you can't do that. That's judging someone based off of diet and days. So Paul, based off of this passage, I think he would say this. You want to have a special diet for a season to draw your attention to God? You want to have some special days for a season so you can show personal devotion to God so that it might prepare you to celebrate the resurrection of Christ? He's like, that's fine. But just don't make it mandatory because the minute you make it mandatory, it allows you to judge people who aren't joining you. So to be clear, Lent's not in the Bible. But the practices of generosity and the practice of prayer and the practice of fasting, they're all in the Bible in Matthew chapter six, and they are actually all condensed together in one thing called the Sermon on the Mount. Um, So just as an FYI, John Calvin, who was like the principal figure in this whole development, like Reformation theology, creating the Protestant church, in his uh, writings called the Institutes of the Christian Religion, he writes about Lent and calls it a superstitious observance. He observed this, quote, Christ did not fast repeatedly in the scriptures, which he must have done had he meant to lay down a law for an anniversary fast, but once only when he was preparing for the promulgation of the gospel. He's talking about the 40 days he spent in the wilderness. So John Calvin's issue with this, I don't think is so much, hey, there's 40 days, you don't have to do it. I think it was actually related to this third point of why some Christians they're opposed to doing Lent. And it's this. For some Christians, Lent became a way of earning God's favor. This is really critical because this actually goes against the scriptures. For some, Lent and the spiritual practices associated with it was a way to earn God's grace. And I want to be super clear on this. You can't earn God's grace. Jesus earned it on the cross. God's grace, God's favor, God's forgiveness of us was completely earned and purchased on the cross by Jesus himself. The Bible teaches this, that the only way to salvation, the only way to grace, the only way to God's favor is by faith alone, through his grace alone, earned by Christ alone. That's the faith of the, of the text. The Catholic belief, though, is that by some good works, and by some spiritual practices and prayer that they can earn credit for themselves or hold on to your hats if you've never read this. You can't just, it's not just about earning credit for yourselves, but you can earn credit for your deceased loved ones who are currently in a place that they refer to as purgatory to get them out sooner. If you don't believe me, let me just read the catechism of the Catholic Church around this. Quote, all who die in God's grace and friendship but still, and here's the two words, imperfectly purified. You died a friend of God. You died forgiven, but you are imperfectly purified at this point. Meaning there's something still wrong with you. They are indeed assured of their eternal salvation, but after death, they undergo purification. So as to achieve the holiness necessary to enter the joy of heaven. Now, if you're Catholic, don't walk out on me, okay? Hang with me. My... And honestly, you guys, my heart is um, concerned today that I come across too strong about this. 
But I, honestly, I have to teach what I believe is in the scriptures. And this goes against what's in the Bible. Do we really think that we go to a holding place and we can do something or have to tolerate a punishment or something to burn off a little bit of that sin that's still with us? If you believe that, what you're saying is this, what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross was not enough. You think that you and I, by any of our merit, can add to the death and the suffering of Christ on the cross? We are justified by Christ. Chapter 5 of Romans, we have peace with God through Christ. He earned it all for us. It doesn't give us permission to live however we want, but we cannot merit God's grace or forgiveness. It was all purchased on the cross by Christ. For some Christians, Lent is a way of earning God's approval. But does it have to be? Just because somebody said that doesn't mean that the whole 40 days and the whole season of preparing for Easter has to be this Catholic thing. For some Christians, Lent simply a time where Christians, they're practicing giving. They're showing generosity. They're fasting and they're praying as a secret devotion to God to prepare their hearts to celebrate Easter. And, and that's what it's about. So those are three reasons why some people don't practice it. So to Lent or not to Lent. Let me switch the question around. Why do some Protestant Christians practice Lent? Because it's more than just Catholics that are doing this today. I don't know if you realize, but the culture around us, like, even though in the Bay Area, come on, let's all be straight for a minute, the, the, cult, the culture around us, like, is not steeped in Christianity, right? We don't live in Texas. We ain't in the South. I mean, the Christian faith is, is a minority around here. But if you look around on Ash Wednesday, there's a lot of people with this cross and smudge of ash on their face. So why do some Protestants practice Lent? Here it is. It simply embraces and encourages Three spiritual disciplines, and I've already said it. It's about generosity, fasting, and prayer. And it's right here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. So turn there. Again, I'm only introducing this series called Secret Devotion. We're going to sit in this one verse for just a moment before we wrap up. It says this, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. I'll get to that in just a minute. That is the introductory statement. And then he introduces the three spiritual practices. Look at verse two. So when you give to the needy, now go to verse five. When you pray, verse 16, when you fast, you know, you know what he means when he writes those three things? It's the assumption that you're doing all three. He's writing to, to his followers. I mean, Jesus is speaking this sermon like, hey, you want to honor God? You want to live for God? Here it is. When you give alms, when you pray, and when you fast. He's not saying go and do these. He's assuming that to show devotion to God, that his followers are doing these things. That is a part of their, their rhythm to life, to show spiritual devotion to God. So the word Lent, Fat Tuesday, Mardi Gras, not in the Bible. But the spiritual practices of Lent, they're right here in Matthew chapter 6 as an assumption that all of Jesus' followers are practicing it. Are all of Jesus' followers here practicing these three things? 
See, we can be super critical of the Catholic church and like their theology around this and, and get on them. And, you know, forgive me if I came across too harsh, but can I get on us for just a minute? Is generosity part of who you are because you follow Christ? Do you engage in a regular time of communing with God and talking to him? Here's an even harder question. How many of us, don't raise your hand, because that'd be all prideful and you got to keep it a secret, right? How many of us regularly fast to exercise our self-control? So question, why not practice what Jesus teaches in Matthew chapter 6 and quit getting hung up on the fact that some other people practiced it differently centuries before? Well, what if we stopped getting hung up on Lent and took 40 days to prepare our hearts doing those three spiritual practices so that when the celebration of the resurrection of Christ, the greatest event in the history of the world comes around, our hearts are ready. Those three practices, here it is. The first is giving. You'll see this in your notes. Here's what it is. And we're going to do three more weeks on this. One week we're going to talk about giving. One week we're talk about fasting. One we're talk about praying. Giving is simply this. It's choosing to have less so that you can have more for somebody else. It's you saying, I'm not going to purchase that, spend money on that. I'm going to take that so that I can have more for somebody else. Fasting. I've already mentioned this. It's just your ability to say no. Even if it's okay that you said yes. To say no so that when those moments come around where you, God wants you to say no, that you have that spiritual discipline, that strength, that muscle in you that's been exercised and trained to say no, so that you can go, no, not going to do that. Praying. It's this. It's reflecting on our spiritual lives. It's reflecting on the gift of salvation. It's reflecting on, on Jesus on the cross and the resurrection. It's reflecting on him so that we're grateful for what he did. But grateful and thankful are not the same thing. It's grateful for what Jesus did, but then you turn the table and you go, well, I'm thankful for all that that provided for me. I want to be both grateful and thankful, and I think that that happens in our prayer time. So in the next three weeks, we're going to look at each of these three practices. I hope you'll join us for that. But real quick, in verse one, I want to point out the obvious thing here. When he introduces them, he starts with a warning. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your father in heaven. So here, here's the warning. Keep it a secret. Don't tell anybody. Don't show it on your face. It literally says, I mean, we'll get to the fasting part. It's like, wash your face so that nobody knows that you're fasting. Now, based off of that, I will... You can decide how you want to practice an Ash Wednesday, which, by the way, we missed it. It was last week. But we have this choice, and he says this, don't do it so that you get credit for it. If you want to do something so that you get recognized by the people around you, then congratulations, that's your reward. The people around you see you as super spiritual, but you have a choice. You can be rewarded by the people around you, or you can be rewarded by God, but you can't be rewarded by both. That's what the text is about. Make it a secret devotion. I think we love being affirmed, don't we? Don't you love being appreciated? Don't you love being admired? 
And Jesus is just making it clear. You can be affirmed and appreciated, admired for a lot of things, but not on these three things. If you do, you'll have no reward from your father in heaven. Now, what's interesting about that, that term father in heaven, you might think that is, oh, so when you get to heaven, there's a reward waiting for you in heaven. But that's actually not what the Greek translation says. It's your father who is in heaven. It's not a distinguishing mark on when you get the reward. God, he can give you the reward whenever he wants. You do secret devotion to him, he could reward you with spiritual maturity right here, right now. He could also reward you in heaven. I don't know what that looks like. It doesn't make it totally clear in the scriptures. But that reward could be now or it could be later. But there's a condition to it. You just got to keep it a secret. By the way, in this whole Sermon on the Mount that starts in chapter 5, Jesus also makes this statement. Question, did Jesus contradict himself? Listen to this statement. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Hey, in the same way, here's what I want you to do. You let your light shine before others. What is this shining light? Well, it's good deeds. Let people see your good deeds so they might glorify your Father in heaven. Wait, wait, wait. What's the secret and what's supposed to be like, hey, look at me. What can I not post on Instagram and what can I post on Instagram? Well, let's make sure we understand. I don't know what this is about, why I did that. I apologize. Some weird stuff happens up here sometimes. Um, when he says, let your light shine, who gets the credit for it? So that they may glorify your Father in heaven. See, I, he calls us, why don't you show good deeds? And I think the good deeds are this. I think it's kindness to people. It's the way that we love each other. Let God see those, let people see those things. So that God gets the credit. Man, why'd you do that? You know what? Jesus changed my life, and because he changed my life, I, I just want to be a part of changing your life too or just doing something kind to you. It's not wrong to do that. See, when we do that, God gets the credit, not us. Now, if our Instagram really is all about us, then maybe we shouldn't post that. But when it comes to prayer and fasting and giving, um, he says, be very quiet about it. Don't brag about it. In fact, don't even tell him, it. Let, let, let it be a secret. Because the minute you do, we get credit for it. As if we're super spiritual. And he doesn't want that. So, before we wrap this up, I haven't really answered the question to Lent or not to Lent. And I'm running out of time, and I need to answer the question. Do we Lent? Should Christians practice Lent? Here's my answer. Number one, <clears throat> No. If, if you're doing it because the church mandates it, because it's not in the Bible. Uh, number two, no, if you're doing it to earn grace from God, all of his grace and forgiveness are all available because of Jesus Christ. Number three, to Lent or not to Lent, no. If you're going to use Lent and these spiritual practices to judge other people. Uh, four, uh, I'm going to say no to Ash Wednesday because it's not in the Bible. But I'll say yes to Ash Wednesday uh, if it's going to help you kick off your spiritual practices of fasting prayer and showing generosity. Uh, number six, uh, know if you're going to use Ash Wednesday to put your righteousness on display. I should say your self-righteousness. 
Uh, Number seven, know if Lent is a trigger for you or a trigger for those around you. What do I mean by that, a trigger? Listen, if you grew up in a religious context and, um, and it was forbidden for you not to practice that, if it was a mandate and you're like, listen, I grew up like that and there's just too much guilt and shame wrapped around it, then listen, I'm gonna tell you this, don't practice Lent. But you, you need to figure out how generosity, prayer, and fasting will fit into your relationship with God because those are critical, I think is what Jesus is saying. Uh, people in Eastern Europe, the culture is steeped in this Catholicism that can believe that they're earning credit. And so if, you, if you're in that context and you're like, I just don't want to look like everybody else because there's got to be some separation about what I believe, I'm, then don't do it because of the culture you're steeped in. Um, number eight, to Lent or not to Lent, no, if you're thinking that it's a good time to try out intermittent fasting and you're going to drop a couple LBs. And now it is about. Number nine, to Lent or not to Lent, yes, I think we should. Because all these spiritual disciplines, they focus our lives on God's gift to us in Jesus and the expectation in that celebration. It's about being devoted to him. Number 10, yes, if Lent is a way for you to prepare your heart for Easter, as long as you're not thinking about gaining a higher standing with God, because you can't earn that. Number 11, yes, because God still rewards these three spiritual practices. I don't know how, I don't know when, that's up to God, but he rewards it is what Jesus says. Number 12, yes, if you make these practices your secret devotion and not your public display. The last one is just this. Should Christians practice Lent? Yes, here's why. The church today is not suffering from too much generosity. The church today is not suffering from too much fasting. The church today is not suffering from too much prayer. But the church today, my opinion, is suffering from too much indulgence, too much self-righteousness, and too much, look at me now, social media. So why not counteract that with these three spiritual disciplines that Jesus talks about? So I I did tell you that I would pick on everyone, so let me pick on... um, Let me pick on some Protestants and our practice here of Easter for just a moment. In 2022, Americans spent $20.8 billion on Easter. This year, Americans are projected to spend $24 billion on Easter. In just candy alone, we spend $3.3 billion. The number one candy... The number one selling candy at Easter is what? It ain't peeps, people. Those are disgusting. (laughs) Jesus wouldn't even eat that. What is it? What's number one? The Reese's peanut butter egg. What are you eating at Easter if not that? I'm glad I could teach you something today. Um, we have some fun traditions. We adopted this from our friends. We have bunny cake at Easter. You know what bunny cake is? It's, it's this cake and it's awesome. And you, you make it and then you take all this good stuff and you decorate. It's in the shape of a bunny, you know, two ears, a face. And like, then we decorate all. Then you have like a competition. Like, can you decorate your bunny cake better than everybody else's? Then we judge and it's, yeah, we get judgy. I know. 
And then there's a, like a winner to this, and it's a cool tradition, but like, I, I just wonder if because in response to the traditions of another church that we haven't practiced Lent, and our whole, we spend more time trying to find a pastel outfit than setting our hearts right for the resurrection. I just wonder if we spend more money on what we're going to indulge in that day and then throw out a third of it than focusing on being generous towards people who might not have. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I know I'm being judgmental right now, but listen, we got to speak into our culture at some point and say this. If we're going to be critical of the Catholic tradition, let's be critical of our own. Are we really preparing our hearts to celebrate the greatest event in the history of the world, the resurrection of Christ? You know the greatest gift you can give? It's the greatest treasure you have. And the greatest treasure you have is your relationship with Christ. And there's some people in this city who don't yet have that. You want to show generosity? Introduce them to the treasure of who Christ is. Invite them to Easter. Start praying about it now and for 40 days, pray and fast about those who might come. What if we focused it that way? So uh, let me give you some real practical things, and I need to wrap this up. Um, here's a couple ideas. Uh, go on the version app, Y-O-U version, okay? Y-O-U version. Some of you are already on this. You can download a 40-day reading plan. So every day shows up on your phone, and you, just, you read through a scripture and a devotional thought. Just centers you. Um, by the way, you can also use the Google and download your own plan, all right? But version, it's an easy plan. Two, Choose something to fast from. If you won't miss it, it ain't a sacrifice. Listen, I'm a fast from eggplant this year. Woo! Some of y'all know me. Eggplants of the devil. So it's not a sacrifice. Like, sacrifice something. Fast from something. Here's a couple ideas. This is the easiest one. Just fast from lunch once a week. Like, set up to sundown. I know you're like, so my 11 a.m. snack is good and my 2 p.m. snack is good. I just got to skip lunch, right? Just go sun up to sundown. It's probably one of the easiest things to do. It's not, it will have some effects on you, trust me. You want to do a harder one, go from dinner to dinner. And then, then take that fasting time that you would typically have for lunch where you would eat. And maybe you eat in 20 minutes, maybe it's 30 minutes. But set aside time with God and open that devotional plan and have some time with him. Pray for your friends who don't yet know Christ. Um, You can choose to fast from something regularly. This is a pretty Lenten kind of thing to do that people do. They're like, I'm going to give up something that I normally have. And for some people, it's like meat, alcohol, dessert. I mean, something like that. Technology, people fast from technology. I know you're like, my phone. And then set up time to pray. Under prayer, here's an idea. Um, on your phone, I guarantee you can set up a little alarm that goes off the same time every day. What if that went off every day? And it just triggered a, I'm going to pray for five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever it looks like. So that every day you get a reminder, I'm in a 40-day season where my focus is Christ. And I'm looking forward to this resurrection. Almsgiving. We're going to cover this next week. What would it look like to show generosity to people? Here's my hope. My hope is this, that you will embrace the practices that Jesus speaks about in Matthew 6 
as a way of preparing your heart to celebrate the resurrection of Christ and that God might do a work in this church and in this city this year at Easter. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for these folks who came today. And I, I don't know, Lord, I've, I've packed this message with all kinds of teaching and I hope that it's been rich in that. But Lord, I pray that you would take all that information and somehow bring conviction in our lives. That we have this treasure in Christ. Help us to treat it like a treasure. And not just something small, but the greatest thing that we have is our relationship with you and eternity with you, God. And so, Lord, as we approach these 40 days, If anybody's hung up on the Lent thing, Lord, I pray that you would release them and give them freedom to experience these spiritual practices that can mature us. Lord, thanks for for what you did on the cross. and Thank you for the resurrection, proving that you're the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Would you have your way with us in this season? And everybody said,